When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. No Ravens game this past weekend. It's a strange feeling. But we're back to discuss the other slightly relevant playoff games that happened this past weekend. The two AFC and NFC championship games. We'll we'll sprinkle in some more Ravens information as as we go. And then uh, start touching on some Super Bowl stuff without getting too, too much into it. Uh, But before we dive into this episode, let's let's see who else is... uh, on the horn here. Sitting next to me, I'm Antonio Barbera. I should start with that. And sitting next to me, Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? I say, same two people as usual, <laughs> I believe, um, that are usually with you. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I got a, a weekend away up in the mountains to kind of rest and relax and not wallow in sadness, which was the previous week before that. So I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm ready to talk about some football. And a big... Uh, Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. As well. Thank you. Yeah. We're not going to mention the age because <laughs> I'm a gentleman. We won't be doing that. But yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, was up there celebrating a little bit. And, and again, just kind of getting away from stuff, too, which is always, always nice. Well-timed after yeah. the Ravens lost just to, well, just to get away. Just to get away. It was it was as much a birthday celebration as it was a therapy session, <laughs> to put it that way. And uh, joining us on the West Coast is, as always, Jace Evans. Jace, how you doing over there? Doing okay. Um, a little less, I think, uh, rest and relaxation over here. Appeared to have a weird 24-hour cold over this weekend. Always fun um, to just be like, wow, I feel horrible. Uh, but that seems to have passed. I don't know if that was Ravens-induced. Who's to say? Um, but it was <laughs> it was a long week, um, to be sure. But doing okay, all things considered. I'm excited for the Super Bowl matchup, despite our Ravens not being in it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty well. So the first AFC game was Titans. 
I should say the only AFC game was Titans at Chiefs. And the entire game, every play that the Chiefs made, I basically kept substituting and saying, oh, the, the Ravens would have done better there, or but it could have been a better matchup against the Chiefs if the Ravens were in there. So before we get into that game, I want to get your guys' brief thoughts on just sort of like a Ravens exit interview here after the dust has settled a little bit. We've had a little over a week now to digest, to process. Uh, as Tim said, he had a whole therapy session uh, in a remote part of Maryland. Mm-hmm. How do you guys, uh, any other thoughts, anything else you've unpacked about this game? Uh, after It seems like, to me, it was months ago at this point, which I think is indicative of how I felt about the game. But any thoughts about the Ravens, the matchup, the game, uh, after we had some time to think about it? Uh, I'm still very conflicted. And part of me, I'm like, well, the Titans played pretty well. And then, like, I saw some highlights and saw some, looked at the stats, made the mistake of looking at the stats again the other day and said... How did we not score more than 12 points? <laughs> it was still remains supremely frustrating. I agree with you. Um, it does seem like it was ancient history at this point. It feels like it's been so long ago rather than just, uh, you know, a week and a day. Um, but, yeah, on the one hand, I think I've moved past it. And then on the other, I get kind of re-triggered by things and yell, that should have been us when watching the Titans uh, game on Sunday. So... Yeah, I'm a mixed bag. I'm in the middle of the road, probably. It just kind of depends on the minute, on the hour. <laughs> My thoughts on it go swing wildly back and forth. I think one of the things that I've learned from this, this is episode 21 now. You know, nice. the very the very early stages of this podcast, we hope, that will be lasting for years and years and years, is that I'm trying to become more positive as I get older. <laughs> we talk about birthdays. I would have been wallowing in depression, misery, and sadness for much longer in my youth. But I think part of it is I literally have not thought about that game since we recorded Pod Like a Raven (laughs) last week. So that's helped. And I like to try and think of the general overall scope of this team, how much fun I had with them. Uh, the, the The Ravens have the MVP at quarterback, which is a sentence I never thought I would say in my in my lifetime. Um, so overall, yeah, obviously we were, we were frustrated. We kind of broke down all the problems last week, but now just generally I, I, I look back and maybe it'll be different when the Super Bowl comes up and you know, the, if the Niners outplay the chiefs and I'm like, I know we could have beat this team. Um, that would be, that'll be a little more frustrating, but I didn't really have that sense watching these games on Sunday. Um, because overall I've tried to just been more positive about not only how great this season was for Baltimore, but that that's the groundwork of of what we're going to see, I believe, in, in the near future. Now, if they go 8-8 eight eight next year <laughs> and we're sitting here same time next year talking about it, I'm going to be a miserable wreck. But for now, we're going to try and be a little more positive. See, that's hysterical to me because we've like we've just gone opposite directions here. I, on the show, generally... I think I've been more the optimist, and Tim's been more the pessimist. Yes, it's, I'm glad that you're, you know, in a nice place. Uh, I might call it denial, <laughs> but it probably, I, yeah. I'm not feeling good at all. I'll be, uh, I'll be quite honest. I had, I think, double digit people apo- like just apologize to me over the week. Oh, see, that's infuriating. Uh, yeah, but they were nice about it. I mean, they weren't trying to, you know, like egg me on. It was genuine. I'm sorry for like your loss kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I'm sorry as well. Uh, <laughs> looking back on this 
Titans-Chiefs game, which we'll get into in a second. Once the Chiefs took the lead, in my opinion, the, it looked like the game was over. Yeah. The Titans were an entirely different team, and so I was talking to Tim before we started recording today. I Looking at the Titans trailing in a playoff game, I just thought of the Ravens' first drive, and had they scored a touchdown on that drive instead of a tipped ball going right into a Titans' fingertips, I think it's possible a seven nothing lead would have been a totally different game, and they could have literally won that game at seven to nothing and been hosting the Chiefs in Baltimore. But I don't want to get too worked up about it because it's tough. I would love to see the Ravens win fourteen games next year. That would be very uh, that, cool. That's, that's yeah. what I'm afraid of is that we had so many things fall our way this year, only to get crushed. God, you are me. I, I'm in a bad place. I haven't completely well, recovered. Maybe I should have gone with you to. Uh, it, it, yeah, you should have come up to the retreat, mountains, man. Yeah. I got I got some cold air, a little snow. You know, I, I'm just you you breathe in the deep mountain air, and it's it's a legit thing. I, I feel a lot better than I normally do about a team that absolutely blew the best opportunity that they could have had. See, now I'm turning. Now, now yeah, I'm turning. I'm this is going to be a problem if we talk about this anymore. It's just it's getting. I'm getting redder and redder and redder. And this is an audio medium, so that that doesn't really help. But you guys are trying to focus on. The worst part of the season. Come back with me. Be an optimist. Uh, new year, new us. 2020. Let's look back at the season as a whole and how great it was. I will say I watched at one point in the past loss. week a at least 30-minute video on YouTube that was just titled Every Lamar Jackson Run 2019. Um, so that helped. Uh, See? Watching, there you go. Watching, what, 1,200 yards of Lamar Jackson uh, jukes and deeks and all kinds of fun stuff so yeah i'm sure i'll be revisiting that video in the near future but so i love i love that you bring that specific uh skill set up because one i realized last week one note about that game that i wanted to bring up and forgot to was the and this was the second half and it's lamar jackson like 30 yard scramble where he pretty much deked like seven (laughs) different titans on one play Mm -hmm. and then just calmly got out of bounds when i was watching i literally just turned and like made eye contact with the people i was watching the game with and it was just pure we didn't even speak it was just a pure how is he losing this game how are the ravens losing this game when he can make a play like that and look make half their team look terrible and I'm just, I'm sad and I officially haven't recovered. So not only for the timing of this podcast, but just for your mental stability, I yeah. do think we need to move on. <laughs> you know, I put down 10 minutes. We're not at 10 minutes yet, Tim. Let me vent. We, we, uh, we outline these shows every week and we try to put time limits on what we talk about. And uh, all right, let's, let's move away from it because I would, I would blow past the time I will say, allotted here. I will, I will say, for those of you who don't know, we're recording in my apartment. There is some strong bourbon over there if you really need it. I mean, it, it's, I'm not having it on purpose. It, it could be one of these shows. It's just, it's just they panicked, Tim. They, they panicked did. so early in that game when they had so much time. You ever see Good Will Hunting? <laughs> I was just about to say, it's not your fault. <laughs> I should have been there to tell John Harbaugh to just stick with the offense and just don't panic. All right, let's move away from that because some other games happened, some championship games happened, some good teams played each other, and we're going to start with the AFC. Titans went into Kansas City, lost to the Chiefs 35-24. Fascinating game. The first half, I should say first quarter and a half of which the Titans were going right to Tennessee football. It was the perfect script for them once again. 
kudos to that team and to just figuring it out three weeks in a row in three different playoff road environments of how to set the tempo for your team and put yourself in the best situation to win. The problem was they were playing Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, and Andy Reid, we should say, uh, and once again the Chiefs in, in little time had a lead, uh, were able to come back, quickly take the lead, and then, as I mentioned earlier, it was a totally different game. Chiefs really just take control, hang on, and win pretty comfortably by the end. But what were you guys' uh, takeaways on this Titans-Chiefs game? Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is you can look at the stat sheet and you can go, oh, Derek, Ren- Derek Henry excuse me, only rushed for 19 times, 69 yards. Doesn't look like the Chief- or the Titans' game plan, even when they're up 10 nothing, And I think that's a testament to Kansas City and how they did not panic and they were better built for the situation. They're better built for these one-off playoff games because if something goes wrong, they can score quickly. And I think Patrick Mahomes, Lamar's the MVP and you know, obviously this is a Ravens podcast. You're most likely a Ravens fan if you're listening to this. If you're not a Ravens fan listening to this, thanks for the support. Really appreciate it. Um but even with all that said, I think the injury to Mahomes and Lamar mania and all this stuff over the regular season, and because it was the same thing and he wasn't as incredibly electric as he was last year when Mahomes won the MVP, we realized that number 15 in Kansas City is the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not close, um, in my opinion anyway. As much as I love him, I know, as much as I love Lamar, I think Mahomes is far and away the number one uh, guy in the league, and, and being able to have a guy like that who can score so quickly with the, all the weapons that he has around him, 10 nothing is no problem for them. And, and and the other thing, too, and a little bit of an aside, we talked about Derrick Henry, and this is how – you you mentioned this last week, Antonio. The Titans played a perfect game to beat Baltimore. They stuck to their game plan. They executed well. But you know what they also did against New England and Baltimore? They turned the ball over. Five total turnovers in those two games, zero in this one. And they couldn't flip the field. They couldn't get short yardage after a fumble or an interception or anything like that. And, you know, we we talked about this before the show, and you mentioned it earlier. Once Kansas City got a lead, they were able to just step on the throat, and that was about it. Well, that's what's great. And you mentioned, you know, 10 nothing or 10-point deficits, nothing. Like, I mean, they came back from 24 down, you know, last week, and it wasn't even, like, that surprising. This was, like... You're like ten point, like ten, another ten point deficit for most teams. That's a huge deal in a playoff game, especially this Titans team, which we talked about. You know, Antonio, you mentioned this was their game plan. They got the ten point lead, big guy touchdown. Everyone's loving it. Uh, heaviest, I believe, heaviest player to ever score uh, reception TD in the uh, postseason. Great stuff. Um, they're up seventeen seven, and then. It just it's an avalanche from them. The Chiefs have the lead before halftime. <laughs> They're up twenty one seventeen at half. It's I mean Mahomes was awesome. Two ninety four, three touchdowns, led the team in rushing, fifty three yards. Um I believe the second week in a row he's done that, actually lead the team in rushing. He's great. He's the best. He, I agree with you, Tim. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Um 
And the pace he was on, you know, who knows? I mean, the fact he he's this good after dislocating his kneecap midseason is incredible to me. I don't think I would walk for months if I dislocated my kneecaps. And he's out here. I'd still be in bed yeah. if that happened. He's out me. here. Yeah. I had a cold this weekend, so I slept through part of this game. That's how <laughs> low-willed I am. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, Mahomes is incredible. And just the way they were just able to just hit the accelerator and, you know, they score uh, not every possession, but put up basically, you know, four unanswered touchdowns to seal the game. Uh, this including a just insane on-the-run 60-yarder to Sammy Watkins. It was – he's special and good good on Andy Reid, you know, a much maligned coach over the years, but really good coach too. Um, so I was impressed. You know, to the Titans' credit – Early, obviously, the game plan, game plan is working. I thought Tannehill had an okay game. He, he what, tripled his uh, completions and yards <laughs> yeah, and touchdowns. 21 for 31. That's pretty solid. <laughs> uh, Derrick Henry did some, some good things early, but there was such a focus on him uh, in the box. I feel like Tyron Matthew was, like, the perfect guy to have sort of spying and running all over the field and changing the, the defenses at the last second. But the one thing I do want to talk about comparing – this game to when the Ravens played the Titans, and this is all about the Chiefs. We talked about the Ravens game last week, how at a certain point, you know, you had Marquise Brown as a weapon, and that was about it at a certain point. Andrews was hobbled, Ingram was hobbled, and suddenly you're trying to, th- you know, throw the ball to Miles Boykin uh, <laughs> in-, in between two guys. He just doesn't have the hands to make plays, and it was that for the entire second half. The Chiefs on the other hand, not only do they have the stud quarterback, but they have so many weapons that on their own would be number one guys on a bunch of different teams. And they go like three, four, five players deep in terms of like number one caliber talent on offense. Sammy Watkins had, we just talk, talked about him, Jace, had himself a game and he's their like fourth <laughs> option in terms of talent on that team. Uh, Tyreek Hill has the same game seemingly every week. He's impossible to stop. Travis Kelsey had a quiet game. He's maybe their best overall receiver. And even in the return game now, McCole Hardman has been a spark for them in back-to-back games where when they need a return, he gets like a 40-yard return and suddenly they're in business and they score in 30 seconds because they're starting at the 40-yard line and they make three plays and suddenly they have a touchdown. So just, I think, a, a fascinating sort of comparison of how the Ravens really that last sort of leap, if they want to be an all-around offense that is going to beat teams in the playoffs, is you know ha- have similar weapons to the Chiefs. Try to get another guy that can just be a playmaker by himself in the offense. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that too because you know Kelsey, they had these guys in different ways. I believe Hardman is a rookie, McCall Hardman, um, or second-year yeah, guy. I think he's a rookie. I can double check. Um, yeah, and being able to find a guy like that in the draft, wherever he is, as not only an offensive weapon, he only had one catch for eight yards, but then, like you mentioned, with the return game, just flipping the field, which was such a problem, obviously, for the Ravens against the Titans, and we have to kind of keep referencing that as a as a point of comparison here. And then you talk about Travis Kelsey, a guy who's been there forever. Then you talk about a guy like Sammy Watkins, who was a high draft pick that never really panned out. You thought maybe he was done. Kansas City brings him in after a brief uh, stint with L.A. I believe I'm doing that right. Or Buffalo. I can't remember. uh, He was drafted by Buffalo and then, yeah, to the Rams. Thank you. And then went to the Rams. And 
Kansas City sees the type of guy like that, brings him in. They just have they have talent all over the field, and they've been able to acquire it in different ways. And I think, as we talked about a brief a little bit last week, I think that's going to have to be there's there's other priorities I would address first. But if you're listing like a top five for Baltimore this year, I think it's not only acquiring more weapons for Lamar Jackson, but making sure your second, third year guys continue to progress. Hollywood, get bigger, uh, be more consistent. Don't be hurt as much. Miles Boykin, maybe show a little more life out of him in the offense. You know, the, the furthering development of a guy like Mark Andrews who needs to get healthy. Hayden Hurst as well. I think the Ravens have some of the talent there. But the Kansas City model shows you what it looks like at the peak of its powers if you can bring all those guys in. I also have to mention, too, real quickly, if we're going to flip to the other side of the ball here, because you mentioned him in passing, and I have to talk about him. <laughs> Honey Badger rules. Tyra Matthew is a guy, another guy who sort of had a slow start to his career. I mean, obviously in college, he was an absolute monster. Everybody thought he was could go like number one overall or top five. Fell out a little bit after some problems in college. And it's just shown the, like as he has grown and matured, he's gotten better and better and better. And he is a difference maker. Well, I mean, that's a guy that you, as, as just a fan at home, if you're just a casual fan at home, don't watch the ball. Watch where Honey Badger is, because guess what? You're going to end up finding the ball that way, because that guy flies to it every single time. Led the team in tackles, uh, nine total tackles, six, um, nine total, six solo tackles. Obviously a pass deflection as well, a tackle for loss. Fills up the stat sheet, but just makes impact plays at the right time. And he's, he reminds me of, sometimes Ed would do this, where he'd float around a little bit. Most of the time he'd be playing deep center, and they kind of let him do whatever he wanted, Ed Reed. It reminds me a lot of a guy like Palomalu, except I can cheer for him <laughs> because he doesn't play for Pittsburgh. But one other thing, this is just a in-game topic that I just sort of... If we were doing a What's Bothering Antonio, I guess I would have taken a few minutes on this. But <laughs> the Chiefs, you know, Andy Reid has gotten a lot of... Fl- gets a lot of flack just because of making sort of bonehead coaching decisions. He mismanages timeouts, this, that, and the end. Will that rear its ugly head in the playoffs? That's an annual thing. But they were up in a game like uh, by, by 18 points and had one of the most bonehead things that I've ever seen in a playoff game where with... Uh, let me look at the exact math here. With six minutes left in the game, the Titans had the ball at their own 22-yard line, and it was fourth and eight. And they brought out their punt team. And I can't think of a more obvious situation where a team cannot punt the ball down by 18 points with six minutes left. And they run a fake punt. And the Chiefs were completely unprepared for it. <laughs> it was a great uh, fake. And the Titans, yeah. got, <laughs> the Titans got 28 yards. Either you call timeout because you know you're not prepared for whatever. <laughs> they did the whole thing where they like held a guy on the sidelines until the last second and then ran him out onto the field and then did a quick... You need to be prepared for a fake punt in that situation. The, Tony Romo is sort of like confused as to why it's just sort of nobody's paying attention that this is obviously going to be a fake. And then they run it for 25 yards. That's the type of mistake that if it happens in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are going to be in trouble. And that is what's bothering Antonio. <laughs> um, real quickly, just before we move off of this game, I do have to mention two things. I think Tannehill, if he knows his value, and obviously guys are going to want to get paid, excuse me, I think the Titans should do everything they can at a 
decent contract to bring him back. You know, it seems like the team kind of rally around him. Um, he's enough of a game manager. They have to sign Derrick Henry, too, which who knows how much you pay that guy. And later in the year, uh, later in the offseason, we're talking about general NFL free agency stuff. I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation for a guy like Derrick Henry, who really broke out into the scene. And then quickly, we got to mention him. It's with the wrong team, but he's still going to the Super Bowl. T-Sizzle, ball so hard university. I hope he gets another one. Uh, congrats to him. You know, a late season acquisition for the Kansas City Chiefs from Arizona. Uh, so just I'm really happy for Sizzle that he's going to be back in the Super Bowl, albeit in the red and gold and not the purple It's and disappointing black. as someone who obviously loves the player. I like it. Um, I believe he's pretty much the only guy on their team that has even like been in a Super Bowl before, or at least certainly the most notable. So they'll probably be leaning on him for some advice heading into this week, uh, certainly. And I'm sure they're not upset that they added Terrell Suggs. So, <laughs> yeah, rooting, rooting for him, obviously. Uh, Terrell Suggs playing chess when we're all playing checkers. Uh, when the waiver wire, that whole conversation came up, and we were like, oh, perfect, he can go to the Ravens to try to win another Super Bowl. <laughs> No, he went to the Chiefs and is in the Super Bowl now. So way, way to go, T Sizzle. Even though he looks so weird in that uniform, it's it's a ninety four. Yeah, ninety four. He's wearing red. It's all confusing. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's pivot now to the NFC. Oh, I love this game. <laughs> Packers fall to the 49ers. I'll, the only I'm going to make one comment about this game quickly. You know, hand up that uh, I picked the Packers against the spread. Uh, I think it was either seven or seven and a half. And my reasoning was that Jimmy G makes a couple of really bad throws <laughs> per game and that that could get him in trouble. And ga- even in a game they were winning, that that could get him in trouble and that was going to make the <laughs> score a bit tight. Can't really happen if you don't throw the ball. You can't make mistakes if they don't let you throw it. So that's my one takeaway from this game. 49ers win 37-20. to 20. Jace, let's let's go to you. I feel like you're chomping at the bit here. Uh, was so to talk about this so game. beautiful, Antonio. This is what football was meant to be. It brought a tear to my eye to just see the 49ers go to the line of scrimmage and just run, 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 run. And they're interesting runs. They're not just you know Kyle Shanahan scheming it up over there, but just every time, like. Uh, I was listening to the Ryan Rosillo show with Chris Long this afternoon. He had an amazing stat. Jimmy G went 90 minutes of real time between throwing passes during the course of this game. They just, like like you said, they, uh, in Shanahan, they asked him, why did you keep running? And he said, because it was working, <laughs> was his response. And I love it. It's just, he's like... If you're if you're gonna let Raheem Mostert rush for six yards a carry on twenty nine attempts, there's no reason to like not do that, especially at home, especially when you have that defense. Uh, I mentioned him, Raheem Mostert, two hundred twenty yards, four touchdowns, the yards second most ever in a playoff game, only to some guy named Eric Dickerson. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, it was incredible. It was awesome. I loved it. Um, you know, as I've has been joked many times, I am an. Uh, an Aaron Rodgers fan, but from a, it's not a joke, by the way. <laughs> I am an Aaron Rodgers fan, but from an aesthetic standpoint, what the 49ers did this game was just beautiful, and uh, I don't have a problem with Jimmy G not passing because I just wanted to see them run it down another team's throat every time. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of where I'm at too. Uh, we're kind of all in the same wavelength here. 
I don't care that he threw it eight times because if you can't stop those boys up front, if you can't get any sort of push um, from your defensive line, and if, if you can't bring down the ball carrier who's going to go for 220 and four touchdowns, who cares? <laughs> who needs a quarterback? Put somebody else in there to hand the freaking ball off. It doesn't matter because you're not going to stop it. I think it's going to be interesting to see, and this is why, and we'll get to this next week. So obviously a teaser. Next week will be a full Super Bowl preview. Um, the crowning of Lamar as MVP, all that fun stuff, because that's coming up in the, this following week as well. But this is why this matchup is so interesting, because you have this Chiefs team that kind of throws it all over the place, can score at will against this Niners team who is going to run it down your throat on offense. And then on defense, they're just mean. Swarm. They're fast. <laughs> they're mean. They make every tackle. They only have to rush four to get after you. Jace, I'm with you, man. As a complete neutral, it's just going to be hard. And I think we, I think next week maybe we'll pick which team, not, not only our spread pick or our analytical pick, but which team in our gut we want to win. Because I love T-Sizzle. But you know what I love? I love defensive lines. I love tough running backs. I love running the football three yards in a cloud of dust, or in this case, (laughs) 7.6 yards in a cloud of dust. I love all this stuff from the San Francisco 49ers team. They're, They're my second favorite team to watch outside of the Baltimore Ravens this season. And I think it's just going to be an incredible matchup. Um, the Packers didn't stand a chance. No, it, that was the, it. They, they, they started in a hole, and unlike the Chiefs, who kind of like being in a hole and then wake up and then make the miraculous comeback, uh, once once San Fran established that run early and got, got out to an early lead, uh, what was it, 27 nothing? I yeah, believe. 27 nothing at halftime. Uh, yeah, at halftime. That was it. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly. Packers made a valiant effort, but as we said, Jimmy Garoppolo just did not have to pass for pretty much the entire second half. Uh, if we didn't say it, eight yeah, passes. Eight, eight went attempts, six, six for eight. For eight. <laughs> 77 yards. <laughs> um, six for eight. It's astounding in 2020 that that was a dominant, uh, you know, NFC Championship game performance with a QB attempting eight passes. But... It was beautiful. I liked it. Um, yeah, too little, too late from um, the Packers. Raheem Mostert, uh, pretty cool story. Um, our uh, One of my colleagues, Nate Davis, um, mentioned in a piece he wrote, has never started a game before, which is incredible. Um, he, uh, he rushed for more touchdowns in this game than he did his senior year at Purdue. Um, <laughs> just a litany of stats. Uh Obviously, the big one going around today is the cut by six teams, including the Baltimore Ravens, which I have no recollection of him ever being on the practice squad or otherwise. That's, that's a random Raven, by the way. <laughs> Raheem Mostert, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, just to re-echo everything, I loved watching this team. This game was it, was... it was probably not an exciting game, but I enjoyed watching it, so... <laughs> I'll, just say, I'll just say quickly... Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, kind of the three-headed monster uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle Juszczyk, who's the man they actually paid, being their fullback. That is the case for maybe not signing a guy like Derrick Henry. Because as good as he is, is if you got a good scheme and a good offensive line, man, as Mike Shanahan proved before his son Kyle, doesn't always matter who's carrying yeah. the ball. Um, I mean, there's plenty of guys. I should put it this way: it doesn't. It does matter, but there are plenty of guys out there that can be game changers at a running back level. It doesn't always have to have to be your beast. And that's such a good point because Br- Brito was kind of the starter 
for mo- like the beginning of half of this year, and then the 49ers kind of just switched to Mostert because he was having some better performances. Um, Tevin Coleman did get hurt in this game. We'll see if he's back for the Super Bowl. Um, suffered some type of arm injury, it appeared, or shoulder. Um, but, you know, if Raheem Mostert's going to rush for 220 against a team that went 13-3, and because the Packers were a good team. They just got hammered twice this year by the 49ers. So I think it was clear the 49ers, better than the Packers, confirmed. <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers did uh, did have some magic late in that game uh, with back-to-back, I should say three touchdown drives in a row to start the second half. Uh, the closest it got at that point was a 14-point game, and that's when people sort of start jumping up and down. You know, Rodgers coming back from the dead, a classic Rodgers. Um, but then the 49ers scored a field goal on their next drive, and the game was pretty much over. It was back to three scores with just a few minutes left. But got to talk about Rodgers at this point. I mean, a lot of hot takes now that uh, he's older than people think he is, that he's on the decline. He's certainly not the same athlete as he was, you know, let's three, four, five years ago, but what are your guys' thoughts on, on his long-term future with the Packers now? I think he's still, I don't I don't think they have to worry about, you know, looking for QB or anything like that for still a number of years. I, I agree with you. He's definitely not as mobile as he was. He kind of, a lot more shuffling, it seems like, these days in the pocket. He doesn't, in the days where Rodgers used to get away from sacks, he just doesn't really anymore. Um, but... He still has just some monster throws sometimes and just some incredible, you know, he still has some some magic moments, some comeback moments. We talked last week, the Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks game, how he, he closed that out with just two awesome throws. Um, I think he's still, you know, top of his game or not top of his game, but you're not going to go out and get a quarterback that's really better than Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> um, I think I think they're fine rolling with him for a number of years still. I'm going to disagree slightly because the way Aaron Rodgers was brought into the league was he was drafted in the first round and sat for a while and kind of learned his game behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. And then when they had to make the move, they made the move. Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. He's been in the league 14 years. I'm not saying it's time to move on either. I completely agree with you on that point. But but time to start looking? Absolutely it is time to start looking. His contract is uh, runs until through 2023. There is a potential out after the 2022 season. So after next year or two years from now, um, when he's 38, by the way, they have, they'll have to take some dead money there, uh, but they, they have a chance to kind of get out of that contract and move some stuff around if they need to. I think it's time to start looking simply, and, and look, I'm clearly not nearly as much of a fanboy. I do love watching Rodgers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do love watching Rodgers play. I think he's been one of the most um, entertaining players throughout our time watching football these 27, 28 years on earth at this point. Um but I think they need to start looking. They, they've done this before. They, this The Aaron Rodgers model, I still think, can work. Some people say, oh, these guys got to play immediately. I think it's a case-by-case situation. I think if you have the opportunity to learn to behind a Hall of Famer. Now, he, in theory, could also be the kind of Hall of Famer who brings the cold shoulder to the rookie because he says, screw <laughs> you. I don't want you to take my job. 
Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, as we saw early, uh, before a couple of years ago in New England, and Favre a little well, bit with Rodgers. They, they, they didn't that. have the best of relationships. <laughs> His, uh, and guess mentor. what? And guess what? They didn't need to because they were pushing each other at a competitive level, and it's worked out fine, I would say, <laughs> for, for both of them, obviously. Uh, so I think it is not time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. It is time to start looking for his replacement. The only thing I'll add is that I, I'm getting entertained by watching his game sort of evolve. He is reminding me more and more of like the old dude playing pickup basketball <laughs> yeah. who isn't quite like driving into the paint anymore. He's mostly doing like finesse passing at the top of the key and then, <laughs> and working on you know working the offense and not necessarily tr- trying to avoid hits and, and a all lot that. of uh, touch off the back foot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of throws where he's he's so good. That he can get away with it, where he's throwing, you know, the ball before guys are open, basically, and he's just sort of assuming they're going to do the right things. Unfortunately, that's what, what has gotten him into trouble a few times this season is when receivers, uh, the not Devonte Adams on the roster, basically, aren't doing the things yeah. that he's guessing and trying to be intuitive and the options of what route to run, and that's where he gets in trouble and has thrown what looked to be terrible interceptions because they're plays where he's trying to guess based on what play it should be, what the route should be, but some of his receivers aren't sort of the same, uh, you know, Hall of Fame mind as as Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, let's say. So it'll be fascinating to continue to watch that develop. I I don't think they're going to sort of, you know, draft a a quarterback in early rounds this year, but maybe next year. Um, And we'll see. We'll see late years Aaron Rodgers and what part of Tom Brady he ends up being in these last, uh, these last few years of his career. Um, but all right, so those are the two games. We'll, we'll preview those two teams uh, in their Super Bowl matchup next week. Uh, but quickly, we we got to get back to it. It's it's once a week, and we want to ask Jace, uh, without the Ravens playing this weekend, what's uh what's bothering you, Jace? So I took a different approach. We're changing it up this week. What's not bothering Jace? Oh, and it's that the New England Patriots are not in this game. <laughs> I am so happy that they're not in the Super Bowl. It was just three straight years, four times in five. I don't, I think, hate the Patriots as much as a lot of people, but it's just... Like me. Right. <laughs> it's just boring. There's, I have, there's nothing more to say about 42-year-old Tom Brady. Like, we've written all there is to say about Tom Brady. He set all the records. He has... What's he going to – it's like, oh, Tom Brady broke his own Super Bowl record with a seventh win. Like, there's nothing There's nothing exciting about the Patriots being here. All would be this year would have been relegating Spygate. But we have new, fresh teams. We didn't say. This is the Chiefs' first Super Bowl appearance in 50 years, um, which is a long time. <laughs> um, the last Super Bowl they played in was played at Tulane Stadium, which closed in 1975, which gives you a, a kind of sense of how long that's been. Uh, so first Super Bowl in 50 years. Um, the 49ers, you know, they um, lost a Super Bowl to the Ravens somewhat recently, but uh, it doesn't seem like it because of the success they've had. They haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. And compared to the team... That, uh, you know, lost to the Ravens. There's only two or three guys still left from that Niners team uh, on their roster. It's pretty much a new group of guys. And it's just going to be exciting and fresh. And a lot of, you know, in this game, a lot of people who haven't been at the Super Bowl. And that just makes it far more interesting than a team whose core group has been to the Super Bowl every single year. So that's what's not bothering me this week is not having to 
think about the Patriots for two weeks, talk about Spygate again, uh, the new one, talk about Tom Brady when there's nothing new to say about Tom Brady. It's great. It's refreshing. It's, it's going to be a lot of Mahomes praise, but, you know, he seems like the up-and-coming thing. Tom Brady, we've had 20 years with Tom Brady now. We all know Tom Brady. I don't need to think about Tom Brady for two weeks. And so it's a pleasant change. I'm excited about it. It should be a fun Super Bowl week. Well, I'm, I mean, this is, you know, I'm positive. I'm impressed <laughs> that a week after the Ravens fall that we're not sort of just, we, I say we, that Jace isn't, you know, and is just in despair. No, a positive, a positive what's bothering Jace. you got to look on the bright side. I agree with it. <laughs> and it's still a shot at the New England Patriots, so I can get behind that completely. I'm going to guess Jace isn't big on this team, uh, like Garoppolo being a, in parentheses, no. member of the New England Patriots. I'm guessing yeah. you're not on that on that train. Yeah, the guy was traded from the Patriots three years ago. They don't get to count him as a former member of the Patriots. Because <laughs> we get the Chiefs in that case, because Suggs is on the Chiefs, so all oh, of a sudden true. the yeah. Ravens fans can just claim that one. All right, let's move on uh, to our next segment, which is also Jace's turn this time around, and that's Random Ravens. Jace, you're up this week, so uh, who do you have right. for us? We're going big. This offensive lineman out of Auburn, was drafted by the Ravens in the first round of the 2007 NFL Draft. Already? Done. Oh, boy. See ya. <laughs> Got it. He spent five seasons with the Ravens, making 70 starts. In 2011, he made the Pro Bowl with the Ravens before leaving in free agency for the New Orleans Saints. And then, my final clue, because I thought, I thought it would at least take two, but Tim got there a little earlier than I anticipated. Um... But number four, uh, his number 66 has been worn by both Gino Gradkowski and Ryan Jensen since his departure. So Those would have been two oh, random I was going to say, Ryan there. Jensen might make an appearance on this <laughs> list yeah, at some in point. a few months. <laughs> Guy got paid. He did. People don't talk about that enough. Just snapping the ball to Jameis Winston. So worth it. <laughs> So those are those are the clues. Yeah, we can go back over that. That's it. Later. So it's that's just a the great, four. That's a great random raven. Uh, I'm, uh, feel, I'm feeling way better about this. I had a, I had a cold streak going for a while, and now I've gotten a couple in a row. That's that's right in my peak. I mean, you go offensive lineman out of Auburn. I was like, oh, yeah, this is when I was a, just a draft nut. So I'm all I'm all in on that. I all thought right, that one might be a little because I think people forget this guy was the first round pick. So <laughs> one of the many 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 ravens who. We just the team just drafts, makes into a great player, watches them do really well. They get paid and they go somewhere else, and we say, you know, thanks for thanks for your time, but we weren't going to pay you. Yeah. So that was the random raven. So now uh, we have a sort of a new segment this week that we wanted to talk about, and that was uh, brought up by Tony Romo, <laughs> our, our good friend in the booth over at CBS, and at the end of that. Titans Chiefs game as the clock was winding down and the Chiefs are clearly going to be the victors. Romo mentioned a new era in the AFC and how basically the era of the Patriots had ended and the new team that was going to run the AFC for the next five to ten years were the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And I audibly gasped and said, (laughs) you slow down, Tony. Because another team in the AFC, quite frankly, this year won more games than the Chiefs, and that was the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't going to be good, but we have to bring this up. Are the Chiefs the new Pats for the next five years in the AFC, or 
did things finally break right for, for Andy Reid and Kansas City this year? I think it's interesting that the new Pats is a moniker that we have to kind of talk about for a little bit because I don't think there's going to be another Pats. I think what we saw from them, and I'm going to try not to throw up as I'm saying this, was remarkable. It's something that the league, even back in the dominating days of like the Niners or back way back in the 70s and 80s with the Cowboys um, and then the 90s Cowboys, I should say, too, and Steelers, teams like that. There were dynasties. The Patriots put together two dynasties over the course of 20 years or whatever it is, as Jace mentioned before. Um, could the Chiefs be the next team to kind of dominate the AFC? Maybe. But I think that might be a three to five year run in the in the salary cap era, especially what the Patriots did to have that success for that long. I mean, again, it helps that they play high school teams in their own division every single year Two, three teams that can't get out of each other's way that just they start the season by tying their shoelaces together <laughs> and tripping out of the starting gate, which, you know, n- nobody wants to talk about that when it comes to New England, but that's fine. Um, I think the Chiefs have a very good chance. I think what's more realistic, and again, here comes Optimus Tim, and I, I could just be eating all these words in like six or eight months. Who knows? <laughs> I think what we're going to see over the next, I'll put it five years. I won't say the next 20, 15, whatever it is. Next five years, we could see the battle of Lamar v, v. Mahomes. Jackson v. Mahomes. If If the Ravens continue to build around him, If this offense, quote unquote, doesn't get figured out, which I think will be a storyline that we're going to have to unfortunately debate uh, in the summertime before the next season kicks off. I think both of these guys are incredibly special. I think the days of and we kind of saw it with I mean, this is the NFC, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady, with Drew Brees, with Phil Rivers to a degree, even Roethlisberger, who's going to come back. But. I would bet is not going to look like the same guy. There's a new era here. And I think at the front of that new era are Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I think Deshaun Watson is there at some sort of level as well. Um, And so the Chiefs alone, no. I would say no. But over the next five years, I think you're going to see a a Baltimore-Kansas City rivalry maybe. That would be exciting. I would really, really enjoy that. Uh, Two elite teams butting heads in the AFC year over year. I, I like your point, um, Tim, and because I agree. I think, and you mentioned the Packers. Why I had been thinking about this topic before our friend Tony Romo declared it. Uh, so, but uh, to your point on the division, that's I started thinking about this the other week, uh, earlier this week actually, and just um, spanning the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes eras. This was the Chiefs' um, fourth straight AFC West title this year. Um, second straight AFC championship game appearance with Mahomes. Uh, and kind of the state of the AFC West is what had me thinking about uh, the Pats potential, just because you look and Phil Rivers certainly seems the Chargers roster's talented, but Phil Rivers seems, uh, seems like he's parting ways with the franchise. It was reported he uh, is moving out of San Diego finally uh, this week. Moving um, to Florida. Yeah, he's moving, moving to, to Florida. Florida, which he's yeah. not from, which is, so that's interesting in its own right. Um, but uh, um, so you had that, the Chargers, talented roster, but quarterback situation in flux, and they go 5-11 and this year. 
The Broncos are a wreck. I think <laughs> maybe Drew Locke's good, but now all their good defensive players are getting older and into their thirties outside of like Bradley Chubb. Um, the Raiders, who knows? We talked about them as a possible playoff team, but then you look and they somehow went, had the same record as the Broncos this year at seven and nine. So it sets up nicely for the Chiefs to just control the AFC West kind of for the years to come. And I think that gives them the Pats potential. If you're just saying this team uh, is in the playoffs every year. But I think your other point, Tim, too, that uh, the Pats are a special team is apt, too, because, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers won the NFC North every year, but they only have made one Super Bowl. So I... I think we will, to just kind of echo your point, if the Ravens are going to be in the playoffs, I think there's kind of consistently, there's a very high chance they're going to run into these Chiefs at some point. Because just for me, it's hard to see who's, as long as Mahomes is there and he's as good as we think he is, it's hard to imagine who's going to knock them off in that division, kind of in the foreseeable future. Now, your other point is eligible for a max extension, which should uh, you figure Patrick Mahomes' ex- extension will probably shatter uh, Jared Goff's guaranteed money record um, for no other reason. I would say he deserves it. <laughs> yeah, he's already the MVP, and now he's in the Super Bowl in his second full season as a starter. Um, kind of like it won Lamar Jackson, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, I just... It's, it's interesting when, obviously, we'll... And Andy Reid's kind of an older coach, so who knows how long. Um, whole coach, he's in his 60s now, um, or at least late 50s. But um, it's fascinating. I don't know exactly. Um, obviously, we can't read the future, but it sets up nicely for the Chiefs to really you know, be making some deep playoff appearances in the years to come. So for me, in terms of the levels of or even close to the levels of the Patriots dynasty and, and crushing the AFC for long stretches. I view it as a three-pronged argument. You need the superstar quarterback. You need the just dominant coach. And then you need health. And when you look at what the Patriots have done, they have, they have all those three. When you look at the Colts with Peyton Manning, where they were, you know, they were really good for a long time. They had all those things. But both Brady and Manning their style of play was as conducive as possible to health as you could possibly have. These guys were just pure pocket passers, never scrambled, always made it a priority to try to avoid hits in a game as much as they possibly could, and were some of the best at it. Um, Brady just obviously knowing the game, uh, and Manning just audibling out (laughs) of trouble, basically. That was sort of for 15 years, that's what he did better than anybody else. When I look at the teams now, I don't see all three of these things on any of the teams. Uh, if I mean, We'll start with the Texans, just because you brought those up, because Deshaun Watson is that guy. Look at their coach. It, one of the worst in the postseason, I think people <laughs> would say he was the worst coach in the playoffs and just made a ton of mistakes and just is not close to the top level, you know, top tier of NFL coaches. And Watson gets smashed yeah. every game. He's already torn he his always, ACL in the NFL. sacked all the time and has big injuries. The Chiefs have two of those three things. They have the dominant quarterback and they have a really, really good coach. Mahomes gets hit a lot all the time, too. 
and he's gone multiple, you know, a lot of games where you see him getting up wincing uh, and just sort of, you know, fights it and, and plays through the injury. But I don't see that as sort of like a five, ten year thing. I don't think it's sustainable uh, given his current style of play. And then you go to the Ravens. Uh, they could have all three of those, but am I terrified of Lamar Jackson getting hurt at some point, uh, given the number of hits that he takes rushing? Yes. So I don't think we're close to that, quite frankly. I think these teams are going to play, you know, fight each other year in, year out, and that's going to sort of diminish one team dominating or going too many years in a row. And I think those three aspects are also going to work against any of these really, really good teams in the AFC. So that's just where I'm at with that. Uh, any other uh, notes on New Era AFC? No. So let's move to the, the one thing we're going to talk about for the Super Bowl. We're going to preview the, the teams and, and the players in the game next week and maybe look at some prop bets and fun stuff. But the one thing we do want to talk about this week, storylines. What storylines in the – you get two weeks in between these games, and in a sense we hate it because there's just so much time for the media to just distort – certain storylines to just run with the same topic for 14 days straight. You come up with all these human interest pieces that we just don't care about. You mentioned how much more could we know about Tom Brady with all these <laughs> random stories that come out during the Super Bowl weeks. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask the two of you to name one or two storylines that you know are going to drive you insane over the next two weeks. And one or two, you know, we're trying to be positive this week, so... One or two storylines that you can't get enough of as we preview the Super Bowl. Oh, I'll start negative. Um, I don't care about Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan <laughs> both being the Super Bowl. That's a good one. I don't. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't care. That's it, great. They're making history, but guess what? There's a lot of nepotism in the league, and guys bring along their sons all the time, and eventually these guys get chances that maybe other better coaches shouldn't have gotten chances. I'm not saying that's the case with Kyle. He's obviously done an incredible job with San Francisco. I just don't care. What I would love is if he, you know, maybe even after this season here, because of what Kyle has done, some team next year maybe when the Browns need a coach because they already fire Stefanski, they go and look at Mike. We need bring back. Mike. We need veteran leadership. Just, yeah, just something like that. Um, uh-huh. But but in terms of the whole father son thing, it's great. I mean, it's great that they both had that accomplishment. But it's just the fact that it's going to be rammed down our throat. I just it just completely drives me up a wall. Uh, a tasty prop bet will be how many times they show. Shanahan, the elder in the in the box during the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were going to say, what what is redder, his face or the Kansas City Chiefs' home uniform? Because it's close. And speaking of that, a little bit different angle on another one that's going to drive me crazy. The storyline that we shouldn't care about the color combo. I care about the color combo. This this red versus red. I know they're both obviously not going to be wearing that, but that was the worst part about this matchup. This call me crazy. But when I first, when the, the Niners game was effectively over and you're realizing this is going to be the Super Bowl matchup, my first thought was not, wow, this defense versus this offense, or wow, look at the way the Niners run the ball versus Kansas City's flashy offense and stuff like that, which I'm sure you guys will mention here. My first thought, because I'm nuts, was, oh, that's ugly. I have to stare at that television for three hours. That's going to be annoying. But, but that's, those are my two hate ones. To go positive here. I think the Andy Reid story is really cool. Um, I think Andy Reid gets way too much crap for how successful he's been. Um, 
you know, the, the Philly Super Bowl, the one that he actually went to and finally accomplished something, they end up losing and people like discount that, even though Terrell Owens was effectively still playing with a torn ACL um, and having a great, uh, great game there. And I, I feel for Andy Reid, I think this would quote unquote cement his legacy, which you're going to hear a lot of over the next two weeks. But I think I think he deserves it. Um, and then, then another one that I, I just love that it might it, it's sort of obvious, but might not be as obvious as some of the other big ones is Kittle versus Kelsey. Watching these two tight ends play Kelsey effectively a receiver um, who plays at the tight end position and then George Kittle, a battering ram kind of, you know, guys who kind of represent their teams on a smaller level. The flash pass pass catching Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. Kelsey, clearly a great receiver, but also just an incredible blocker at the point of attack. Um, the Kittle versus Kelsey matchup. I'd be very interested. As, as somebody who's nerdy about this stuff, I would love to sit there and watch a session of them, guys breaking down film of how they're similar and how they're different. So I'll take Kittle versus Kelsey as well. And that's a fascinating off-field uh, matchup as well, because those two guys will be True. front and center uh doing like WWE style promos or something. <laughs> um, Antonio, I think you mentioned actually what I think will be the worst is uh, former Patriots quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo gets his chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be exhausting. Um, it's going to be brought up. Uh, it, it'll be like, hey, did you guys know this guy was drafted in the second round? It used to be Tom Brady's backup. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I did. That was three years ago. Um, but uh, so that'll, especially given how, uh, if it seems to go the way the Niners want, how uninvolved he might be in the game. <laughs> um, but uh, so that that's probably the worst one. Um, and just in terms of um, what's going to make me personally the angriest. I think it's a conversation worth having, but one thing that will come up this week that will probably get pulverized into the ground um, on on every direction and is going to be very exhausting to hear both sides kind of argue about, even though I think there is obviously a correct side, is um, the tomahawk chop uh, that the Chiefs do. That is going to be litigated this week, undeniably. Uh, that'll come up. Uh I saw some comments of it on social media, and when there's nothing else to write about for two weeks, it'll uh, have people, you know, that'll get written about, and then everyone will say, like, you're just an SJW. Or maybe I'm speaking from a work perspective, but uh, I'm, not exci- <laughs> I'm not excited to get yelled at on Facebook all week uh, by Chiefs fans saying the Tomahawk chop isn't racist. Um, that's not how I want to be spending my week, but that's going to happen. Um, so that, that's a, what's going to directly impact my life. One I know is probably down the pike. Um, but uh, I, so that's, yeah, l- less fun, more serious one. But I mean, I'm with, so with you on the Shanahan thing, too. The father said that's going to be we're going to I mean, we had Mike hand out the NFC title trophy. <laughs> <laughs> just, which is normally Terry Bradshaw's job, but they just were like, oh, we'll just have. He played no role. He played zero role in their success other than raising a child, which he probably wasn't there for most yeah. of the time anyway, because he was an NFL coach. Having a kid like, in 1980, <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah. Great, man. I just. That's, that was ridiculous to me. Great story, father son thing. I have no problem with the father son part. The problem is it's going to be rammed down our throats and it's already stuck. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to keep mine pretty brief. The the one that I'm just I'm gonna it's going to drive me insane is all the old uh, old school analysts. Uh, just screaming about how the 49ers win football games the right way. So Jason and I? <laughs> no, because you guys also are okay with the Chiefs offense. That's the, true. The analyst who sort of just says like, oh, I can't wait for this aerial attack to not work when a team has two weeks to prepare for it. Uh, they're going to teach teams to match up with Tyreek Hill's speed, and that won't be a problem. But look at how the Niners just have a seal here and a seal there. Who was the guy that said that over and over and over again? Merrill Hodge. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Just that type of of analyst. uh, Are you telling me Tom Jackson's going to tell you that defense and running the ball wins playoff games? (laughs) Right. I don't need to hear that for two weeks. I get it. Um, But the 49ers are not going to run away with this game because they're able to run the ball. The Chiefs offense, still good. Uh, and then the thing that I'm actually going to be okay with is just sort of the anti-argument to this, that the matchups of these two teams are super tasty, and we'll talk about it next week, but the flash of the Chiefs' offense going up against that 49ers defensive line is going to be awesome, and I want to hear every read every single article about how those strengths work against the weaknesses of the opponents. Um, and then on the other side, the 49ers' run defense how on earth are the Chiefs going to stop it? Because that Chiefs D has never been great, uh, has just really been just good enough. They've fallen behind double digits in back-to-back playoff games. That won't work against the 49ers, because if they're down by double digits, that's when the Niners are going to run them into another state. So I want to hear every every aspect of this game, every matchup, because these two teams, they should play each other in the Super Bowl. And it's going to be a fascinating game to break down with you two uh, next week. So the only thing we have left uh, to go over, besides answering the random raven at the end of the episode, is we're going to do, we said we're going to keep this to about an hour, so we're right at the hour mark now. So two minutes on the Pro Bowl, I guess. Uh, the Ravens have a lot of players going to it. They have their coaching staff going to it. Are you guys going to watch this game? Do you care about this game even a little bit? Next, I will uh, next weekend. I'll say for the first time in years, I will have it on in the background while doing other things, purely for maybe John Harbaugh in a cool tropical shirt. <laughs> sound on, sound off. Oh, sound off. Oh, that's cool. Maybe sound on, but headphone in ear listening to other podcasts. Interesting. I was going to say because it's an ABC ESPN game, so I haven't fully looked, but I have an assumption on who is on the call for this. <laughs> See, but this is the type of game where I might actually want to listen to to Tessitore when the guys are going at half speed. He's still going, 32, what a run by Lamar! And just screaming at the Pro Bowl that nobody cares about. Um, In all seriousness, no, I I will be paying attention to make sure nobody gets hurt. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I might turn it on a little bit. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl much at all in recent years. Um... I just haven't. I don't even know if the Ravens have really even had pro bowlers outside of like CJ yeah, Mosley. That's also a problem. Um, so there are a lot more guys to pay attention to. So that's why I might uh, tune in, I think. Um, but yeah, the same thing. Just hope no one gets hurt. And uh, it'd be cool if, I mean, the idea of Lamar Jackson juking against guys who aren't even trying to tackle him is kind of exciting. So he might get some good runs out there. Uh, we'll see. But. I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't attempt a single run in this game and just kind of passes the ball. 
<laughs> that would be a very stealth game plan from Harbaugh to just only call plays where he gets the ball out quickly. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep you healthy today, just Lamar. Lamar doing three-step drop and slants. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch this game, to be honest. I, I made it pretty clear at the top of this episode. I'm still very bummed out. And every play that a Raven makes in this game, I'm just going to be sad that they're not making it the following Sunday <laughs> in the Super Bowl. So I'm probably going to have it on, sound off, Tim, uh, and try to be busying myself with something else. Why don't you come over and we'll play like a board game? We'll play like a board game. We'll mute it. it. Maybe we'll play it. some cards. Wow. A lot of things at once, so yeah. that I can only watch if I absolutely have to. There you go. <laughs> so that's uh, that's it for us. Uh, we hope the listener out there enjoys seeing the Ravens uh, in the in, in a you know an exhibition of of all the Ravens' talents, uh, and hopefully next year they won't be in it at all. So uh, last thing to do here, Jace, you want to run through the random Raven clues, and uh, I'm going to let Tim take this one. I believe I have the name as well, but I'm going to let. Uh, I'm going to let Tim go because I'm not in positive. But, Jace, why don't you run through the clues yes. one more time? Uh, this offensive lineman out of Auburn was drafted by the Ravens in the first round of the 2007 NFL draft. He spent five seasons with the Ravens, making 70 starts. I didn't say this before, primarily at guard. Um, in 2011, he made the Pro Bowl with the Ravens before leaving in free agency for the Saints. And then number four, his number 66 has been subsequently worn by both Gino Gradkowski and Ryan Jensen. Yeah, so with the 29th pick in the NFL draft, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens selected Ben Grubbs out of Auburn. They did. How do you know what number it was? It was fantastic. <laughs> I, oh, you know? It's called the internet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> With the 86th overall selection in the third round of the same draft, the Ravens drafted, out of Iowa, Marshall Yonda. I mean, that's an incredible pair right there. Coming from the same draft, two interior offensive linemen. Uh, Yonda still doing it. Uh, Hopefully next season, too. We'll see. And Ben Grubbs, the first of the people who played guard next to Yonda, who then ended up leaving, and then we retained Yonda because we thought he was better. Kelechi Assemole being the other one later down the line where he was much younger and both of the guys were up in free agency and Harbaugh went, uh-uh, we're going we're gonna to stick with Marshall. Uh, Kalechi, you can go if you'd like, and obviously his career is not really taken uh, Yeah, off. I was going to say that could have been my fifth clue was that this guy was, yeah, basically replaced by Kalechi Osimile. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ben Grubbs. I was thinking of, I, we needed some uh, some offensive line, I think, uh, representation on our random Ravens list and uh, he's just a name that comes to mind. Uh, not too obscure, again, first-round pick, but uh, pretty good mid-Pro Bowl. Thought he was real solid for a long time, so. Uh, credit to uh, to Grubbs and the New Orleans Saints. He did go to another Pro Bowl uh, in his second year with the Saints mm-hmm. in 2013. Mm-hmm. So had a nice, uh, a nice career, multi-time Pro Bowler. And uh, as I said, uh, when we... When he, Said the clues, Jace. Just so many guys that the Ravens yeah. just had to part ways with, um, and either had some half of them had success where they went, and then the other half just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Um, but so many guys that we could have paid but chose not to. I will say we don't have Yonda because he's not very random. But 
Only two linemen on our random Ravens squad right now. We got to maybe boost up those numbers. Those are rookie numbers. Edwin Mulatalo and Ben Grubbs. Not a bad guard pair. Both left guards. I guess that's because Marshall Yanda has like been the right guard for so long. Yeah, exactly. So we would have to move some guys around. But uh, but yeah, obviously um, Mulatalo part of that previous era of Ravens. And then, yeah, so we'll have to maybe... That might be a clue for the next time I do it. They might have to go in there and find some good offensive linemen for this uh, random Ravens squad. So that's going to do it for us. Sort of an in-between episode here. Next week we will be talking really all Super Bowl and and then going over some... uh, Maybe some Raven awards that may have been announced. Yep. NFL uh, honors in the are Saturday. That, that we'll go over. Get the full run through. So leads right into that glorious Pro Bowl and that it's Super Bowl week. <laughs> so we will be there to recap and preview all that with you. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Antonio Barbera for J Sevens and Tim Horsey. This was Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.